Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. The realities of getting Otani and how he'd fit with the Rangers. Because you know what I kind of realized here, Mike, is... You've been talking about this for a while, right. and everyone's like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Otani's great. And then it kind of ends there, right? So right. I wanted to dive in a little bit more about something specifically that you have said about Otani in this lineup okay. and how he would actually fit with the Rangers beyond he's really good at baseball, so let's get him. So let's talk about how he would actually fit, right? All right, so I have started to, or attempted to mock together a lineup. But the thing is, for the Rangers, I feel like their lineup could change depending on how they feel about Evan Carter versus left-handed pitchers next year. Is that a fair assertion? Yeah, I think that he'll play next year every day, even against left-handed pitchers. Now, the days that he needs off, those will be the days they give him off. But But you wouldn't lead him off? No, 100%. If a lefty is starting, he he is moving down to fifth through ninth, somewhere in there in my lineup. So, Shohei would be your DH. Yes. He's not going to play the field. He can't. He can't throw. And he's not going to pitch next year. So, the lineup that I'm curious if you think this is how it would shake out, or if not, let me know where we need to adjust. For the purposes of this conversation, you're going against a right-handed pitcher. All right? That'll that'll just make life exceedingly easier. I got my pen. All right. Evan Carter leading off. Okay. Marcus Simeon? I disagree, but okay. go ahead. Okay. I'm, I'm going to listen to your lineup. Then Seeger, then Otani, then Adolis, and then I've got Young 6, Heim 7, and <laughs> what I did was put Nate Lowe 8 and Tavares 9, but realistically I put slashes next to them and put Wyatt Langford uh, but I don't know how realistic that is like at the beginning of the season or anything like that because let's be honest, we're all psyched about Ly- Wyatt Langford, but he's been in the minor leagues for five seconds, so it might take a yeah. little bit, and I do think the Rangers could make a move on Lowe or Tavares, as we have discussed. But this is the information we have as of now. So you said immediately change number two how do you think it could shake out with Otani? Do you put him I, at two? Yeah, I don't think you want Otani. Maybe just the analytic part of it. It makes sense to me. The analytic part of it. The guys at bat first and second are going to get more most pets. at bat. So okay. I would keep Otani second, and I would kind of never move him. Okay. From that, I get. I need to go look at his splits, but I bet they're not that bad against left-handed pitching. Uh, and I need Seager getting a lot of at bats too. So here's what's going to be a little bit weird: is I do still think Carter's a future leadoff hitter. But if you get Shohei Otani on your team, I do think you keep Simeon batting first. Which is fascinating. Even against uh, right-handed pitching, too. Which is interesting because when we talk with Bochi, he didn't say, oh, yeah, we're going to move him. But he did say 
He needed to have some conversations about Marcus in terms of making sure he stays durable. Right. That could mean a couple of days off, which we know he hates, or it could mean dropping him in the lineup, which is what I thought it meant. So, I think it's both, by the way. I think you're reading reading right okay. there is that, look, we're now assuming Otani. So, I think right now, Bochi can't assume Otani's in his lineup. And I think without Otani in your lineup, I do think Carter leads off the majority of games. Uh, and then Simeon falls into either two, three, or four. But I think, in a way, if you go Carter Seeger, which they showed they're not opposed to against right-handed pitching, you do leave yourself vulnerable against solid left-handed relievers later in the game. But I think they're going to live with that in a regular season. I would, with Otani, I would still have Simeon lead off. And I would have Otani second and Seager third. Now, I know that's back-to-back lefties, but those are two of the best hitters. Yeah. Like, all right, you think lefties are all excited? When the phone rings and they're like, hey, guess what? You got Otani and Seager in the seventh inning. You think they're like, oh, man, that's awesome. That's a, Those are two easy batters because they're both left-handed. They are like, all right, man, I better have my good stuff because lefty on lefty is not like going to work just because right. I'm left-handed. I'm going to have to make some premium pitches against Otani and Seager. But I'd go Simeon, Otani, Seager. I would go a... Uh, Dolis Garcia fourth. I, I want to break up the lefties a little bit. And then in a weird way, now I'm going to have like a leadoff hitter batting fifth in Carter. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to have Carter batting fifth. I do want him getting a lot of at bats. I do want him being very fast on the bases. For now, Young and Heim. So I'm with you like six, seven, eight, yeah. nine. I'm with you. Young, Heim, Low, Leoti. And we do have to look at at some point, I don't know if it'll be opening day. I'm going to lean towards no, but I do think at some point next year, Wyatt Lankford's going to be in your lineup. Agreed. And, and I'm agreed with you there. I just wasn't sure how quickly we could count on that. So for now, now how fun will it be? You're not, you don't have a bad lineup. I don't have a bad lineup. Nothing's right or wrong sure. here is you are deciding between Otani and Seager. I do think Otani and Seager, though, do need to bat first, second, third in your lineup somewhere okay. there. And I don't think you're going to lead off Otani. I don't think so because okay. uh, you do want guys that he can that drive suggest- in. That suggestion has come up. And I do like your lineup. I'm not going to call you old school, but that is a little old school, right? Have, that your best hitter bats fourth. Fourth. I do. I thought about that when I was constructing it is I absolutely thought – Oh, I got my more prototypical DH at number four, even though what we saw with Mike Trout is you made the shift to, hey, your best hitter hits second, or a lot of times he hits second. And maybe you go Seager second, Otani third. Like in my lineup, I'm not opposed to going Simeon, Seager, Otani. I just went... Otani Seeger because to right, really give Otani a hell of a of a protection there. Because right now, I think, and I don't think this is a recency bias because he was crushing it during the year too. I think I like Corey Seeger just by the tiniest of margins as a hitter over Shohei Otani at okay. this moment. Shohei Otani is awesome, and we're gonna get to another element of that. But that's why I think I had Seeger ahead of Otani, but I totally hear what you're saying. And I will just say that sounds like a devastating lineup. It would be the best lineup in baseball. And it it would be incredible. And yes. to go with that. Shohei, I'm trying to look at it. He had 44 home runs. I'm trying to look at how many games he hit. Because I, I just picked up league leaders. 304, 44 home runs, 95 RBIs in 135 games. So he did play the majority yeah. of the season as a hitter. So you're looking at giving him rest time next year. You won't have to give him as much rest time because he won't pitch at all. Yeah. So 
I think in 150 games, giving him like 12 days off to try to keep fresh and ready, I do think there's a possibility of 60 home runs. And I think if if he's if he's going to be a 60 home run guy, do I bat him second or do I bat him third and give him one more guy that's even good to get on? But I want major protection behind Otani because Seager, in a way, in a weird way, Seager doesn't need protection because he's so aggressive at the yeah. plate. Then you would put Otani ahead, right? Because otherwise, yeah. after Otani, if you have him at third, would be Adolis. And Adolis is awesome, but he can also be overly aggressive, right? right? And right. so you might think, let's take our chances there. So if that's what you're concerned about, then maybe I do flip Otani and Seager. The, the other thing, too, is when Seager hits a double, Otani's jogging home because he can fly. Yeah. I don't think people know how fast Otani is. Like, he can fly. Now, part of it is his strides are so long. Is he 6'4", 6'5"? I'm not sure. But, I mean, he is such a he's such a long, athletic guy. He, he runs, I won't say as well as Evan Carter, and maybe that's not fair because he has to conserve a little bit of his energy because of what he does. But I've seen Otani against the Rangers. It's not the best thing. He bunts for hits every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just need a guy to get on first, you're down by two in the eighth inning. Uh, he might just lay one down third and get on first base and now give Seager the opportunity and Adolis and Carter and Young the opportunity to tie the game up with a big swing. You know what's interesting? I, I saw two different lineups come in from the 4-6-9, and one thing I want to point out about both of them is they have Evan Carter batting ninth in both of them. Now, I don't mind that at times. Against left-handers, that makes sense yes, to me. Yes. Otherwise, I think he's shown enough that they, they don't want to do that. Like, when it was all on the line, they're like, hey, maybe you can go third. Maybe you can go fifth. Like, they had him high up in the order. Now, I realize Shohei changes some of that dynamic, but I have a hard time against right-handers believing he would hit ninth. I 100% agree with you, but we have seen Carter this year in the minor leagues go through slumps. In a weird way, it was amazing. He did not go through a slump in the... Almost two months in the major leagues, but limited games because you're not playing as many games in the postseason because of days off. He never slumped. But I think if you add Otani, this is like the dream scenario, and Otani is now in your lineup. When guys do go through a little bit of a, a funk or a slump, you can mess around with four through nine and go, hey, I still want to play you but I'm going to drop you a little bit in the lineup or I'm going to put you in a – in a weird way, Bo, Bochy, I remember being so smart on this. Remember how bad Grossman was to yes. start the season? Yes. And do you remember what and got him going? And I was not going? a proponent of bringing him in. That's why I was like, told you. You Whoops. remember what helped him get out of his slump? Yes, I don't. He moved him to second when Corey Seager got hurt. And the That's reason, a bold-ass move. So a dude's struggling, and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? And this, it didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why the hell is he moving Grossman up? We need less at-bats from Grossman, not more. But his thinking was, and I remember this being so smart after he got Grossman out of his slump, he said he's going to get fastballs and he's going to get strikes because now he's batting behind some really good hitters. And when you're batting sometimes seventh and eighth, at times, I can look at – it's really tough in the Rangers lineup, but you can look at guys and go, hey, I'm going to be kind of tough on him here because I got guys that aren't as good a hitters behind him. And so I'm not saying you put bad hitters batting second and third, but I just thought it was really interesting when Bochy did that. It didn't make any sense to me. Then after he got Grossman out of a slump quickly, I was like, that made sense to me. He got a lot of good fastballs to hit. And that answers this question. Hopefully they were in on this from the 972. Mike, what do you mean by protection – 
for the hitter is if you have the next person or the next two people who are nowhere near as good, why wouldn't you just instantaneously pitch around right. Otani? I'm going to throw balls in the dirt. I'm going to throw pitchers. I'm going to throw fastballs elevated in the zone. I'm going to do – if I walk them, so what? I have a guy who has a 25% chance of getting on base. And, look, the Rangers lineup was deep this year, so it's it's tough to find those guys. In the Angels, there were seven guys who only got on base like at a 25% clip. I'm not talking about batting average. Their on-base percentages were terrible. Their OPS was horrible. So when you have guys hitting behind you that are all-star hitters, it makes you think, hey, I can walk them, but I am putting a guy on base for back-to-back all-stars. Yeah. You know, and honestly, if you if you move Carter down a little bit, you could say, all right, Seager, Adolis, Young, and Heim, all batting behind Otani. They're all perennial. They they all four made the All Star team. You would literally have four All Stars batting behind Otani, which it doesn't mean you have to throw Otani fastballs down the middle, but it makes it a More little bit tougher to walk, yeah. just walk him, knowing how he can run and knowing he can still second. I'm wondering next year without pitching, does he become more of a stolen base threat? I'm you're going to be surprised by this. He had 20 stolen He's bases last year. He's a fast dude, yeah. Yeah. Like, he can, he'll, he can, if you want to, he can easily steal 30 bags for you next year if you want him to get into scoring position from first to second. I don't think he'd steal second to third much. I want to hit, we've got a variety of questions here from the 214. Some I can answer, some we'll need to chop up. From the 214, do we know how long Bochi's contract is? I believe it's three years, and he told us when we had him on earlier this week. He will be back managing the Texas Rangers next year. Uh, from the 469, what is y'all's expectations for DeGrom at the start of the season? Zero. He will not be ready. Like, yeah, best, best case scenario, go ahead. Best case scenario will be after the All-Star break, but that's still probably too early on it. You're probably looking at August if everything works out well. I'm going to give you my opinion. This is only my opinion, and I hope I'm 100% wrong. I don't think he's going to pitch next year. Okay. He's going to try his best to, yeah. but I think they're going to look at it and go, just like Walker Bueller with the Dodgers this year. If you don't know who he is, he's a stud pitcher for the Dodgers. And they were hoping he would be ready for September and then be ready for the playoffs. And they backed off of it right at the end. They're just like, should we really force this and possibly put 2024 in jeopardy for Walker Bueller? And I think the Rangers are going to look at DeGrom and go, how much do we force him to pitch at the end of 24 to put the rest of his career in jeopardy? We could literally give him almost two years to be ready for the last three years of his contract. But... The hope is is that he starts pitching in August for the Rangers. And, and I want to run a couple of these out there because we're excited, but there's a lot of people who aren't from the 469. I'll just throw this out there. I love him, but I'm hesitate, hesitant to go for Otani, and I can't put my finger on it. From the 903, what's the likelihood of Otani just using the Rangers for leverage? We'll get to that in a second. And from the 214, this is the part I don't like. I really don't like all this Otani talk. It's not going to happen, nor I, nor do I want him. I'd rather address real areas of need. The only part I don't like in there, it's not going to happen. I, You might be right, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's not going to happen because this is all pretend. Like, they very well could lose because he'd rather be on one of the coasts, or he gets offered more money from the Dodgers or the Giants or whoever, or whatever reason. Shohei Otani wants to go somewhere where he can win. He can get paid wherever. If he wanted to just straight up get paid, I bet the Mets would give him, you know, 12 years, $800 million or something ridiculous. He wants to win. I'm not saying the Rangers are going to get him, but it's not just us. John Heyman, 
one of his three favorites. MLB.com said, here are the eight teams in the mix, and the Rangers are one of them. They are a live contender. I'm not saying they're going to get him. In fact, I think it's more likely they do not get him. But they're in this mix. Now, if you think there are other areas we should address instead, I understand that. We had that conversation yesterday. In the last two years, Ranger fans, if that might be a longtime Ranger fan who's seen Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, whoever it is, right? A lot of people use the Texas Rangers. I totally get it. In the last two years, the Rangers got Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Jacob deGrom, uh, John Gray, I won't put in that category. Nate Evaldi, I kind of will. Like, I mean, it was a little Just bit surprising that yeah. Nate Evaldi, like, uh, not at the end of his career, but like he's he's won a lot. Like, he chose the Texas Rangers. You traded for Max Scherzer. Like, think about what you've done in the last two years to say that the Rangers haven't surprised you and got some of the best free agents on the market and outbid the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants. They've outbid those teams, Philadelphia. They've outbid some teams to get the best free agents. I understand. Odds are low that you get Shohei Otani. It's low that the Dodgers get Shohei Otani, and they're the favorites. I mean, it's not like, dude, I mean, if you're betting 100 bucks that Shohei Otani goes to the Dodgers, it's not like you're only going to win 20 bucks because it's a for sure thing. Yeah. Like, they, their odds aren't – their odds are against them that they get, get them. It's not one-to-one odds. So, I just look at it and go – I'm optimistic about it. I think Shohei is strongly considering the Rangers. I think the Rangers are strongly considering Shohei. Just remember this, Ranger fans. The Rangers were willing to give up the farm to get him for two months. If they are willing to give up the farm to get him for two months, don't you think they were also willing to possibly offer him over $500 million if they did get him? Yeah. And so they're willing to offer that $500 million. I know that. Now, will it be the best offer? I don't know. And then somebody asked about... Jake Odorizzi, he is out of contract. So I don't know if they would bring him back on a low deal. If he's super healthy, I bet they bring him back on a um, minor league contract. Okay, which like I could invite see. to spring training, yeah. see how healthy he is, see how he can do. And if let, let's just say he's like, dude, you just haven't pitched in a year. We're going to send you to Round Rock for a month to work on kind of almost like an extra rehab. You have an out on May 1st. This is what happens. Derek Holland's of the world and Jake Odorizzi's of the world. What they do is they sign a split contract. They have an out on May 1st. So, look, after May 1st, if we haven't called you up to the big leagues, you can become a free agent. And if another team wants you in the big leagues, you got it. If you want to stay here, we'll give you another one-month contract and we'll let you out on June 1st if on June 1st we haven't called you up to the majors. And then from the 4-3-2, perhaps the most pressing question of the day, is it true that Corey won the lottery and quit? That is not true. He has World Series flu. He tried to come in today. He was here for a minute. It didn't work out. We will try again. We found out tomorrow. he could have yeast. He could. He could. That, it, men, I, men can I get know. the yeast. I am also aware of that research you told me about in the break. Coming up next, Looks we like move, it hurts really bad. We move into the expressway. What specific major improvement could the Cowboys still make inside this season? Plus, Mike likes it. We'll get it all fired up next right here on The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Prescott's in the gun again. Pollard on his right. Back to throw. Looking right. Deep to the end zone. Leaping catch for Jake Ferguson. Touchdown, Cowboys, to start the game. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan as we move into the Expressway. And by the way, if you missed it earlier to our Tarrant County Tolos World Series trophy, it's going to be at Billy Bob's in Fort Worth tomorrow. And by the way, Fort Worth Mayor Maddie Parker is going to present them with a key to the city. Doors open at noon, and there's going to be a concert with a presentation ceremony at 1.30, and it's all free. So wanted to shout that out. For all of our Fort Worth listeners, and I know we got a ton of them. So, my question here is, trade deadline is passed. I think we're all in agreement that the Cowboys need to get better. I realize Steven would tell us they just need to execute better, and I understand that. But they need to get better if they're going to make anything of this season. And so, my question was, is there a specific area where you think internally the solutions are there or you think they can execute better or whatever the case is to make this team better? I feel like it is what it is. I will say this. At one point during the Philadelphia game, and I didn't text you this, and maybe people will really disagree, I thought, I think this offense is working. So can they get better with this? I hate saying this. It's like the... 40 burger, which is so stupid of a phrase. The Texas Coast offense. Yeah. Can they can they find their rhythm and the balance that they want that this Texas Coast offense gives other teams a lot of trouble and makes the game easier for Dak? Because that's I think the reason they're doing this offense is they want to make the game as easy as possible for Dak to make him as successful as possible, not with stats, but with winning football games. Um, and obviously, you know, Mickey was somewhat critical of this offense. I totally get it. I totally get being critical of this offense so far. But I'm just wondering, like, is there a way that all of a sudden we're watching the second half of the season or the last four games going into the playoffs and going, they got it. They figured it out. They they are just – it's just one positive play after another, another positive play. And so – I guess that, and maybe that is too general, Kevin, because I, yeah. I, I have an idea of what yours is, and maybe I'll work off of yours. So mine, and I specifically wanted to lay out some of the issues at hand, is it's the run game, all right? And I know you might be like, well, that's super general. No problem. We'll get into more specifics here. And Tony Pollard, he takes a lot of the responsibility for this. And this is another thing that we talked about with Terrence Steele. It continues to perplex as to why the Cowboys do contract extensions and franchise tags on players that are actively injured. Yeah. Like that, these aren't working out. Yeah. Dak, Pollard, Terrence Steele. Like, and I 
and I'm not saying like we Gallup. have to get yeah a Gallup, and I'm not saying we have to get into it about Dak. You don't want to get into it about Dak. Fair enough. Right now, Terrence Steele struggling. Tony Pollard, at least it's only a franchise tag and you get out of it after this year, but he is struggling. Michael Gallup struggling, but the Cowboys continue to give contract extension to players while they're injured without getting a discount along the way. Makes no sense to me. All right, Tony Pollard this year. Only one game over 75 yards rushing. Since the end of September, no games with more than 53 yards rushing. That is crazy. And it goes across the team. They're 15th in the league in rushing. Last year, they were ninth. All right. Last year, they had 135 yards rushing per game. This year, 112. So it's definitely taken a dip. And the thing that bothers me, Mike, is, and this is where, again, Pollard takes plenty of the blame on this. This is where the offensive line also comes into focus because they've had their preferred offensive line, I believe, three of the last four weeks, if I've got that correct. And if not, three of the last five weeks. They have gotten worse with their preferred offensive line. I told you they're 15th in the league in rushing. In the last four weeks, when they've had a lot of their preferred offensive line, 82 yards rushing a game. That is 28th in the NFL. It has been abysmal. Can I ask you this? And there's nothing you can do about it. Was waiting to draft a running back until little Deuce Vaughn a mistake? I think... Now, you'd have to replace one of the picks you had. Like, I think... Overshone was a questionable pick at the time early on in training camp. You're like, oh, I can see how this is going to really help the Dallas Cowboys. And then he got hurt. So it's really unfair for that one. But I was just thinking waiting that long for a guy that most people saw as too small to play in the NFL. And I get there's been people that have been that small and been successful in the NFL. But now it just looks like it's critical in the offseason to find a running back that you think can handle 15 carries a game? Because it seems like we have a lot of pieces. And I'll tell you this. I have no idea. I don't think he's going to be with the Cowboys. I have no idea what Tony Pollard is going to look like next year, another year removed from the injury. But this year, it ain't going well. And for the 817, this is a good question. Weren't you guys all begging for Pollard to get more carries last year? Yes, yes, yes. And then he got hurt. And then yeah, I, he's not the same yeah. guy. And I really, it's not like he's dropped off as horrible, but he he does not have the same speed and explosiveness. That first quick jab step that he was able to get, and then, yes, the speed would be there. It feels like he's missing a little bit of both now. Yes, a- absolutely. And so that is... That's been one of the issues for me. And if you just look at it, I know people will say it's the workload. I don't I don't think that's been as much of a problem is he's on pace to have 47 more carries than last year. True, that is more. But it's not a number that you're like, oh my gosh, that is going to crush him. So, And he's on pace to have more receptions than last year. I get that. I don't think his touches are so out of whack that that's the only reason he's gone down. I think at least part of it, I don't know how you want to do the breakdown, is he hasn't come back right from his injury. So you're right. Before he got hurt last year, I was all about I giving him more care. I hate saying this, and people have come back and been just fine from injuries, but maybe you should have a line drawn in marker. I'm not even saying ink. If a running back gets hurt, 
like a lower body major injury, a major knee injury. I'm done. We are done. We're never giving him another yep. dollar because that position, how do you play when you go? We Zeke was one of the best in the NFL. Now, as soon as, like, I know there are other things with him, but, like, as soon as there starts being lower body injuries, that position is over and done with. That's why people don't give longer-term contracts anymore. And, and unfortunately, we were hoping – that Tony Pollard would come back and be the exact same guy. And look, and I get, get paid the, somewhere else. The yeah. blocking isn't good. I, I, I get the blocking isn't good for him, but he also is not the same anymore. And so there should be like a just a, a strong line is if a running back gets hurt, his career's over. If he comes back, great, but we're not giving him any more money. So what I'm saying is, is in year two, a dude gets hurt. Well, you still have him for two, maybe three more years fine like let's see if he comes we have to pretend we have to in our mind we have to be smart enough and knowledgeable enough to go let's pretend his career's over what do we do now because we don't know if at that position the athleticism that you have to have with how fast linebackers are and how strong safeties are in the nfl the chase down speed of defensive ends as soon as you lose a tick of athleticism your career's over at that position yeah so i have to look at that and go hey Let's never do this again. Let's never, ever, ever look at a dude who breaks a leg, blows out a knee, and go, he's going to come back and be the same. That being said, Christian McCaffrey is great for San Francisco when he's healthy. So I'm not saying it is, hey, everybody's just going to be done if they have a major injury. But I think as a front office, you have to be smart and go, I don't think we can rely on this guy any further. We just have to look at him as a reserve and I agree with so much of that. The other things that are coming up, what about the blocking? Well, we talked about the blocking quite a bit. It has been an issue for the Cowboys. And then the other thing is the setup for the run play. Some of them feel very predictable. That second play of the game against Philadelphia, I knew, and I bet a lot of people knew all day they were going to run the ball again. After they had not run the ball successfully in first down, they did it again, and I was like, that felt like right. such a give-up play, and it was so obvious. Have people text this in, as I just talked about in general, the offense? You talk specifically about the running game. How many people have talked about just red zone scoring seven instead of either zero or three? Actually, not as much as you might I think. I don't know how fixable that is. They signed Martavius Bryant. I don't believe in that at all, but yeah. maybe I'm going to be wrong about a dude who's been out of the NFL since Drew Pearson. But <laughs> maybe maybe it will work out. Okay, so I wanted to bring up another per, uh, another point on the red zone is change up where Brandon Cook is in your reads because mm. I and, and and I know people bring up Jake Ferguson as well. Obviously, there's a video out there. Jake Ferguson was wide open and you could have converted there. I will say this: at least Jake Ferguson was getting the ball a lot in Seven that game. Catches. Yeah, and so you can at least say, "Hey, I know they didn't hit him there, but at least he was getting the ball a lot." I think it was on the goal line on the opposite side of the Schoonmaker play where he absolutely got tackled at the goal line before the ball was even there, is there was a pick play or a rub route or however you want to describe it is, I'm going to stick with pick. That's what I prefer. It was a, a, a legal pick play going where Brandon Cooks looked like he had it, you know? And I just feel like we've seen a couple more than a couple of times where it looked like Brandon Cook, if he was different in the read, okay. that... 
we would have right. gone to him, and I think some of that can make a difference I'm in, the, with you, in the red he, zone. But I realize he's a shorter person. And, and maybe getting him the ball early on some sort of outside screen situation, but maybe you'd rather that go to Turpin. Maybe you'd rather that go to C.D. Lamb. So I totally get, are you choosing your third best option there? And maybe that's not smart just to have him catch a ball early in the game. That's my other option. Just get the ball to C.D. Lamb. Figure it out. And so here's another one that I'm going to throw out. Should you move Michael Gallup to your fifth wide receiver on your depth chart and elevate Tolbert and um, little guy? Turpin. Turpin. I understand the money. The money won't allow it. Yeah. I, I think this is where money talks. I've had meetings with Bobby Valentine. I don't understand I've, that. They will say, look, it, this is this is what it is. That dude's making $13 million, and the Jones family is going to say, you play his ass. And that just makes no sense to me because the money's already spent. You can't cash in yeah. Michael Gallup at the end of the year because you're like, Oh, we use him this much, or we didn't use him this much. The money is already spent. Why not go with the? It does kind of feel like though, Turpin has moved up in the world, and Tolbert, especially maybe the last two or three weeks, have started to move up in the world. Yeah. And I want to say maybe it's at Michael Gallup's expense, but I also feel like it's Brandon Cook's expense, and that that's the thing that I don't understand because I know some people think he's done, and I'm not discounting people who have that opinion i also just think he hasn't gotten the looks and he's had the looks available help me out i'm going to ask you this question i I don't really know this answer what is michael gallup good at i'm not saying he's horrible but what is he good at what is michael gallup as a wide receiver you say he's an above average wide receiver at i think i think originally when they looked at this team it was going to be compared to the rest that's stretching the field but and then I, i will admit his jumping skills are impressive. That pass okay. interference call that he drew, that was a heck of an effort on I him. Agree. But I think that got replaced by Brandon Cooks. And, like, at least with Martavis Bryant, I like, I'm not saying it's going to make an impact or anything like that. But if you look at him versus Brandon Cooks, I can at least see where you're like, hey, you're like a half foot taller than Brandon Cooks. Let's see how that works out. At least I get that. Whereas I thought that, I thought that Cooks could do a lot of the stuff that Michael Gallup could do here's the deal about Michael Gallup I don't have it pulled up because I was looking at it yesterday and didn't want to bring it up at a certain point Michael Gallup the year that he got hurt he was on pace for about 70 catches about 900 yards and the year before he had in the 60s and then about 900 yards I think he might he even might have a thousand yards I think he did have a thousand yard season that was the year before they brought in CD Lamb and drafted CD Lamb so he gets hurt he was on pace to have about 70 and 900 and now you look at him these next two years since he's come off of injury, he's going to have under 50 catches and under 500 yards in back-to-back seasons. And that's that that's the thing that bothers me specifically about the Gallup deal and maybe even Tony Pollard, although I realize that wasn't long-term and I do think it was smart to go franchise versus long-term. And they were scared because they knew they were letting go of Zeke and they didn't know how the draft was going to play out. That's true. Is the Cowboys project as, to me, and we talked about this with Steven in the past, the Cowboys project sometimes with players as if the injury didn't happen. Because, like, they gave Michael Gallup a five-year, $57.5 million deal. So we're talking about, I realize the guarantees are lower, we're talking about $11.5 million a year for somebody who could get there, but then they got hurt. And they're like, nah, he's still moving in the right direction. And that that that's just wild to me. But 
The good news to all of that is, Mike, I do believe, I'm not saying it's all going to work out. I do believe there are viable options for this team to get better internally. We all talked about offense. We never talked about defense in this segment. And that's something that we really need to figure out because I think Mickey brought up a good point and we talked about it yesterday. Where are the turnovers against the big time teams? Like their stats are amazing, but if they all come against the team that you could crush either way, that ain't going to work. Okay. We're the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan right now. It's time for some Mike Likes It. All right. I'm going to do power rankings here on CBSSports.com about okay. the quarterbacks. And we're pretty much at the halfway point. I get with 17 games. I guess you'd have to wait till halftime. Sure. To like, all right, <laughs> hey, guys, have a longer halftime. We're at the halfway point of the season. Um, pretty much the halfway point of the season. Here are your quarterback power rankings from CBS. I got a quick question. Now that they've made it official... Is Tommy DeVito last on this list? Yes. Okay. Tommy DeVito, by the way, fun fact, he is going to start for the Giants against the Cowboys. Matt Barkley will be his backup. Tommy DeVito is the 10th different rookie starting quarterback this season, which breaks an all-time record. All right. I know this is stupid. If you're the Giants, what if you just ran it 100% of the time? What if you're just like, screw it? You know what? The Cowboys aren't good at the run. Yeah. Let's just see. Now, I know you can't run it every time. You can't run 70 carries from Saquon Barkley. You can mix it up. I'm just wondering if you're like, hey, we lose every time against them. The Cowboys have dominated the Giants for, it feels like, forever. And by the way, this point spread is the biggest point spread so far this year. Why not just run it every time? I mean. Why not just be like, you know what? Let's play. Let's just play. Nine offensive linemen, <laughs> a quarterback know. and a running back. And like, let's go to town, Charlie Brown. I don't know about the formations on all of that. All right. We'll have to look into that. Number 31 is Zach Wilson. So just to give you, He's since you good. started at the bottom, now we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce Young is number 30. Okay. Tyson uh, Bagnett, if I'm saying his last okay. name right. Is obviously the Bears. 29, but he is going to be an unbelievable at CrossFit. I did hear his story, how his dad's the arm wrestling champ of the world, or yeah. was. Uh, and he said, if this doesn't work out, I'm just going to get jacked up and be the CrossFit champion of the world. Okay. So expect to hear Tyson Bagnett's name later in your life okay. when it doesn't come to football. And Mac Jones is 28. So that rounds out your top five okay. worst quarterbacks that are starting right now in the NFL. Your top five quarterbacks in the NFL. You are going to love this list to start off. They put Lamar Jackson number one. They have Lamar Jackson as the number one quarterback in 2023 at the halfway point. His numbers aren't mind bending, but his efficiency is on a new level for a guy who's long been deemed for just having elite athleticism. Jackson is now completing passes at a higher rate than anyone in the game, and he's still a game wrecker with his legs. I'm going to stop right there. Can you imagine? He's 26 years old. It's amazing. If he has two MVPs at 26 years okay. old. Like, me, people don't respect him at all, but he'd have two NFL MVPs at 26 years old? Let me ask you a question. I'm dead serious about this. Let's say that happens. Hell, let's even say it's unanimous. Yeah. But they don't make it past the divisional round of the playoffs. He'll get crushed even more. So that's not going to make a lick of difference for anyone's right. perception. Right. I just think that if, if he can make it to the AFC championship game, I think people will respect him more. Not a lot, but more. 
if he makes it to the Super Bowl, if he goes through, let's just say these other quarterbacks on the list, especially in the AFC, and he's able to be better than Joe Burrow, at least win the game. He's better to be better than Patrick Mahomes, where Patrick Mahomes is throwing to like, I don't know, Duncanville High School receivers at this point. Um, I just look at it and go, that will give him a lot of respect. If he makes it out of the AFC in the playoffs and has the MVP of the regular season, I think all of a sudden we have to reevaluate our thoughts on Lamar Jackson as a whole. I get yeah. you love him. I've liked him. Uh, I've 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 flip flopped at times. I've never gone to like Bobby Belt standards, but uh, and Bobby Belt's wow. not a fan of Lamar Jackson. Just so if uh, you have an idea, but he's number one. Number two. Okay, fine. It's Jalen Hurts. Oh, I was going to, okay. Once you said fine, I was like, it's not Mahomes then. Yeah. Is Mahomes third? I don't get this. Oh. Who would you go? I just can't believe they have him ranked this high with the season he's having. I don't get this. It's Josh Allen. Oh, really? Now, I get this. People love Josh Allen. It says no QB has more touchdowns. He has 24 and no QB has more interceptions. He has nine. But I get the hot. All right, fine. 24, great. Nine, not good. You can't be number three. He's not a top three quarterback this year. Yeah. I, I don't I don't get why they're doing that for Josh Allen and not doing that for Joe Burrow. Why are you, why is this list? So look, we've seen Josh Allen the last three years. We're not going to knock him for some of the things he's done this year. But we're going to put Joe Burrow as the 28th okay. best quarterback two weeks into the season as one of the five worst quarterbacks in all the NFL is Joe Burrow. So as long as they're doing bits on this list, I have to know, is C.J. Stroud in the top eight? Yes. Is he in the top five? Yes. Is he next? Yes. What number? We're on four? Yeah. Shut the hell up. That's he awesome. moved from 13 oh to 4. Oh, my God. I love it. Now. Chaos. He's not better than Patrick he's Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is number five. So, look. What? They're, they're doing bits on this list. I get Patrick Mahomes. They're 6-2. and two. Patrick Mahomes is not putting up MVP stats. Patrick Mahomes is dealing with the five worst wide receivers to make up a combination in all of football. Nobody has a worse five receivers in football than what Patrick Mahomes is yeah. dealing with. I get his tight end is great. His his running backs aren't that great either. He does not have a game changing running back back My wife there was either. Really mad about Pacheco this weekend for fantasy oh, okay. football. I mean, what Patrick Mahomes is doing, I, I it's it's unbelievable to me. So you go back to 1996, and maybe this is too far back. Michael Irvin gets hurt in the first drive for the Dallas Cowboys against the Carolina Panthers in the playoffs, and he's dealing with people who don't know Troy Aikman with where to run routes, how to run routes, how to catch the ball. It is pathetic, and he can't move the ball. That's what Patrick Mahomes has for the 2023 season. Now, he still does have Kelsey. I get that. So he has a premier tight end, but he is dealing with a load of poop, and I don't know how he is going to push this into the Super Bowl, but I won't put it past him. He kind of did it last year yeah. and, and won it all, so Patrick now, Mahomes is number five. But right now, you take the field in the AFC over the Chiefs, right? Yes, because I just don't see how he's going to move the ball in the playoffs. They're going to double and triple team Kelsey and they're going to go, you don't have a good running game, and you have a load of trash on the outside. But I won't put it past Patrick Mahomes to somehow will his team to victory. Where's Dak on this list, then? 
Joe Burrow is six. Tua T is seventh. And okay. Dak Prescott is eighth. Okay. All right. I think that's very fair. Yeah. Where he's at on this list. Last three weeks. He's been rocking it, man. I think, once again, Dak Prescott in the top quarterbacks in the NFL will usually fall in anywhere between 8 and 14. It's it's amazing that, like, right now, after that game, that was a really good game. There were times where you would have wished he would have done a couple things differently. You would have wished they would have scored a touchdown, and you can put that on Dak. You can put that on the offensive line. Whoever you want to put it on, fine. But I think this is where Dak eventually is. The guys right behind him, Brock Purdy, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff. Just to give you an idea on where he's at and kind of the tier in the category, just behind Joe Burrow, who I still don't think is getting enough credit on this list, to a T. And then he's ahead of Brock Purdy, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. So to give you an idea of kind of the five quarterbacks he's sandwiched between, I think that's fair. What do you think? Yeah. No, I, I do. I hate to be so glib with that answer, but yeah. I, I do think that's fair. That okay. sounds right. All right. So now we move on. Uh, the Mavericks play tonight. I'm lucky enough. I'm going to get to go to the game tonight. Oh. I have a couple of NBA questions for you sure. in the Western Conference. Sure. One, the Memphis Grizzlies are one in six and in last place. Wow. Do you think that this is, I'm not going to say one in six where they belong. Do you think they make the top 10 teams? Yes, but I think they're at the bottom of that. So I, I okay. think they can squeeze in. So they're going to go from two seed to 10 seed, weren't they? No, they were three seed last year, right? But the other thing is, they had played so well in previous seasons in the absence of John Moran, you know? Yeah. So that that's surprising to see how bad it's been. And Steven Adams is, he's done for the year two, right? I, I, let me double check on that. He's done. He's down for a long time. For some reason, I thought he had an injury that was taking him out for the season, which then changes kind of their, part of their strength is they could have Jackson and, and Adams be kind of a, a combination. And didn't they just win? Like, aren't they the last team to win a game? Yes, they were 0-6. Oh, goodness. So, okay, so my first question, Memphis Grizzlies, you say, yes, off to a horrible start, but they will find a way into the play-in situation. Do you think there's any – what's the percentage you give them of finding their way into the top six at the end of the year? Ooh. Jaws out 25 games, so he has – uh, 18 Eight. games left that he cannot play in. 8%. Okay. I think it's very low. All right. Next question in the Western Conference. Were the Sacramento Kings a one-year wonder? They are two and four. It's so early. I'm yeah. not I'm not saying they are, but it's interesting how great they played last year, and they're off to a rough start this year. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think so, because... Look, we've talked about it. I like De'Aaron Fox a lot, but yeah, I like Demonis Sabonis. I, 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 I see them as competing with Memphis for the uh, that, uh, for a play-in spot. You know what I'm saying? Like okay. that might be too harsh, but that's what I'm gonna go. With. All right, my last question in the Western Conference. I'm going from the bottom here, and I'm out of time. Victor Wimbenyamba. Yep. Is he good enough that he could put the Spurs in the playoffs this year? No, but he is excellent. I I will agree with all of that. I just think, and this is partially because what I just told you about the Grizzlies and the Kings, I think they're going to come up short. But I think they're going to come up short in the kind of season where they're going to win, like, I don't know, 37 games. And you're going to be like, holy moly, look at this kid go. And then after that, watch out. Okay. Are the Mavericks going to stay at the two seed the rest of the year? No. 
Okay. Hater. Do what you, a hater. Hold on. Do you think that? Absolutely, maybe. No, you don't. No, I don't. Do you think they could be top four? Yes. Okay. But I won't put a strong. I think they could, but they're going to have to stay really healthy. Okay, but think about this, Mike. At the beginning of the year, did you think they could be top four? No, I thought they were going to be eight through ten. So there you go. That's a step in the right direction. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.